were people in the state of remembrance. I want to use the book of Deuteronomy. I hope I'll do justice, but I thought it was a small thing, but I, I realized the book of Deuteronomy does this in a, in a very intense way. Amen. So the book of Deuteronomy is very different from other books. Other books are written as things happen. This book is almost like a pause. It's almost like Moses begins to pause and does a whole lot of stuff. In a sense, Moses begins to activate a community or a nation into a journey of remembrance. Amen. When I was reading, it's almost as if Moses uh, said, let's have a conference. But this book does not happen. It happens under very dramatic situations. So I'm just going to give you a bit of background so that you can probably the next time you read it so you'll know how dramatic it was. So, so, so you'll know how dramatic it was. But I'll start here. We have declared already as a community, we're, in a, we're people in a state of remembrance. Though we're capturing from 2022 the beginning of the year, and this, our remembrance is about paying attention or gazing on God. Amen? We're gazing on God. We're gazing on God's goodness and his presence among us. Meaning our eyes are open. We're looking at what God has done among us. God has done in us what God has done in our families. And there's a phrase I put in there. I, I remember what Robert had written. I should have named this name uh, to Unati. Nomzamo thought the kids will play around with her, so we shouldn't name her that. That, that name is, is it's a vendor name. It's called Ererwane. Not Ererwane, no. Ererwane. Zulu people are brutal when it comes to these names. It's not Ererwane, it's Ererwane. It's a name of one of my friend's brothers. Essentially, it means the book of Deuteronomy in a way. This name means to sit down and look and reflect. It means to sit down. You literally have to change the, your demeanor. You sit down and you begin to look and you reflect. So Fungi's brother's name is Erewan. I love this name ever since I heard of it. So that's what we are doing. We're essentially doing what we, I don't know what to call it in vendor. But it's Ererwane. You are sitting down and you are looking and you are reflecting. And there are people who are doing that. So I thought I'd put that in there so that anytime you have a fun moment and begin to remember things, you can use that phrase. Or you can call Unati Ererwane, not Ererwane. Another thing that Robert highlighted to us last week was that Jesus commanded us to do this. We are commanded to do this. We are commanded to do the whole thing of remembering. So it's not something that is a, we do it just because. It's one of the commands that the Lord gave to us. There are certain things that he's asked us to do in remembrance of him. It was also highlighted last week that so people in a state of remembrance are people who do life to honor Jesus. So our remembrance is not just sitting and thinking. Our remembrance has to do with our lives honoring the Lord. That we are, we are saying, I'm reflecting on a life and I'm looking at my life and I'm saying, is my life honoring the Lord? It has to do with a lot of alignment and adjustment. I think the book of Deuteronomy will show us that. And also we did say that when you come together to do this, there is a way our remembrance or our practice of certain things can be, we're doing it to remember the Lord, but we can dishonor the Lord. And Paul was highlighting something here about the Corinthians, that they're doing the ceremonial thing, but they've dishonored the Lord. Meaning they're not doing the remembrance correctly. They are doing the ceremonial part, but their lives is a mess. 
Meaning there is no remembrance of the Lord if our lifestyle is not actually honoring the Lord. But there's another thing that Paul said here when he starts the scripture, which is where I want to jump off to before I go to Deuteronomy. Paul, when he actually starts the scripture, he says, the night the Lord was actually betrayed. That's an interesting way Paul starts that scripture. And I want us to actually think about the drama of what Paul creates. Or imagine Peter reading this letter. I know it's nice to imagine the Corinthians reading the letter. When Paul begins to put it to people who know that night, he says, the night the Lord was betrayed, the Lord took the bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body. And he took the wine and he drank it. He says, this is the blood. And I want us to be aware, I'm, I'm, I'm quoting that is because remembrance is done under circumstances that are very dramatic. It's easy to think that when we remember, we remember nice things, you know. We are looking at the goodness of God. But I want us today to actually look at the whole thing. That when we look back or when we look at what God has done or what God is doing among us, there is also things that are quite dramatic that happen. And Paul starts this and says, and remember the law, let's remember that that night he was betrayed. So I want us to not just look at the goodness and the works of God in our lives and actually think the only thing we're thinking about is just good stuff. Can I repeat that? When we do this remembrance exercise, when I begin to say, I want to remember the Lord's work in my life, I must not go on a selective journey and pick only the good stuff. I mean, that night was full of betrayal. That night was full of denial. That night, if you look at that night and Jesus and what was happening to him, I'm sure if you ask Peter, what do you remember about night? He would be very embarrassed. Eh? So that's what I'm saying. When you read this, imagine Peter reading the book of Corinthians and being told that the context of the Lord's Supper is that night. Amen. So when we do this remembrance business, let's not be selective. Let's remember all of our lives and see the Lord in all that. Amen. And see the Lord in the mess and see the Lord in everything. That's what Deuteronomy is going to show us. So let's go to the book of Deuteronomy. There are certain things. I'm going to try and use this book, but when I, I think I realize, like, this book is huge. I can't do all of it, but there are four things I'm going to pull out to just reemphasize certain themes that we've actually looked into. Amen. So this first thing, this book means the second law. Or repeated law. So most of this book is a repeat of other things that have actually been said before. But let's actually be careful. The context of this book as well is very dramatic. And it highlighted in the first part of the book. So we're going to do a bit of, for our purpose today, we're going to look, the, the book does what we call a looking back on the journey. That means it exposes what has actually happened with the nation of Israel. It exposes it. Imagine somebody telling the story of your life. That's what Moses does here. Okay? The second thing the book does, it, it, it highlights the voice of God and his command, or the presence of God as the children of Israel experienced it. Number three, it begins to talk about the future. Moses does a very good job in actually telling them the possibilities of the future, like a maths teacher. If you put a two here, a three will come out. If you put a five here, a seven will come out. Moses begins to say, I'm predicting your future. If you do this, this will happen. So that book does that as well. And Moses does a very good job in actually remem reminding them of their prophetic identity. 
He goes on a journey of blessing each and every nation and prophesying on each nation. And he also declared that Joshua is the successor. Or he reactivates new leadership that is able to actually engage the next journey. Or he renews things, in a sense, to say the renewal, and he's very honest about it. We'll see. Another thing, it, it, it places the nation of Israel in a place of readiness to engage fulfillment. So you could say, if ever God takes us on a journey of remembrance, he's getting a generation ready to fulfill things. Amen. So it's not just remembrance for remembrance. It's not remembrance for fun or remembrance for memory. You know when we do birthdays, I was actually imagining Dumo's birthday that we put all the photos on the screen and just remember Dumo's journey, you know. Yes, we could have had fun, but we could actually begin to say, wow, we are remembering Dumo's life because he's entering a new season to engage a particular issue in his prophetic life. So remembrance is not done casually. And Moses goes through trouble. Remember, he didn't have to write the book of Deuteronomy. He didn't have to. Because the book of Deuteronomy repeats everything that has been said before. Same thing. You can actually look at something in Deuteronomy and find it in Numbers. Now, let's get into the context of this book. So, one of the things that happens in this book, and you're going to have to go read it, because we're going to have to read a whole lot of scriptures to actually go through it. In Deuteronomy chapter 1, Moses begins to talk about a very painful thing. He talks about their success and failure and reason for failure and reflects on the consequences. Moses begins to tell them exactly what happened. And remember, he's not talking to those those things happened to. The book is, is actually a book that reflects on the children of the people that these things happened to. So this is not a book that is very strange. It's some, the, imagine you talking to people and you're talking about their parents. So it's a very personal book. So when Moses did this, he's talking to their kids. And he's telling their kids what happened to their parents. Can you imagine that? And he's talking about the failure of their parents. So sometimes when we read that book, we read as if Moses is talking to some abstract people. No, he's talking to their kids. And one of the things he tells them is that your parents rebelled against God. Your parents rebelled. It's not written like that, but if you know who Moses is talking to, and you know he's reflecting who, who he's doing this remembrance with. If you read Deuteronomy chapter 1, you are told there that you guys rebelled against God. And God decided that we're not going to move forward. That means God did something here. The Lord paused advance until a generation available to partner with him was available. Imagine God paused the journey to kill all your parents. Maybe let's put it that way. It would be harsher. Moses is reflecting with the kids and he's telling them, your parents rebelled against God and God paused the journey so that all the warriors or all your fathers could die. So, uh, people who do remembrance are people of courage, honesty, vulnerability, and they're sincere. If you want to do remembrance, that means you're going to have to face, imagine your journey of salvation. You're going to have to look at your own failures, your success, your ups and downs with the Lord, and look at it boldly. Meaning a people of remembrance are not people who are shy of failure. I was actually imagining if I were to tell Unati when she's like 15, my journey of salvation, you know. And I said, well, I may have to tell Unati about that time I backslid. A people who want to establish something. Remember, Moses is not doing this thing as fun. He's actually preparing this generation for the next phase. And he says, I want to show a picture of what happened since we left Egypt. So he does that in chapter 1. 
Number chapter 2, he, he tells them clearly that God paused the journey so that your parents could die. Imagine that. These young people have to swallow them. And the interesting thing about them is that they never saw the Red Sea be parted. So Moses is doing this to take these kids or these young people through an experience of how did we get to where we are? And the book of Deuteronomy does that. So he tells them that the Lord pausing advance until a generation is available to partner with him to fulfill his purpose. It's a dramatic thing. They actually first said, we don't want to go up, we're afraid. And then when Moses said, okay, you're rebelling against God, they decided, okay, we're going to go up. It was a dramatic situation. And Moses reflects on that. He tells their kids that. Amen. Amen. Chapter 3, God begins to journey with these new guys. He begins to have victory to just prove to them that, look, I'm still determined to fulfill my purpose. I'm still determined to fulfill. He actually gives them victory against two nations. Another thing that Moses does, that is very, that most leaders won't do, he begins to reflect, though Moses makes it an excuse, but he reflects on personal consequences that have been faced by himself as a leader. That means Moses doesn't make this look thing and says, your parents. He also actually points at himself as well and says, the Lord says, I cannot enter, I cannot cross Jordan. Well, in this case, he says, because of what your parents have done. But we know what happened. We know what happened in the story. Moses struck the stone twice. The Lord was angry with him. And actually, he even goes further and reveals to these children the conversation he had with God, that God didn't want to hear the issue of crossing Jordan anymore. Imagine Moses had to go to an extent of saying, I'm going to reveal to you my prayers. I prayed about this, that I want to enter Canaan with you. But the Lord said to me, I don't want to hear of this anymore. So a people in a state of remembrance, they are bold to look back. They are courageous. They are not afraid to look at all the mess that have happened because they know this. Inside this mess, the Lord was part of it. The Lord never abandoned them. It was God adjusting stuff. God trimming stuff. So you can even think of your journey. Think of journey as us as a community. Where we are and how we got there and begin to reflect clearly and begin to see what was God exactly doing. Amen. Amen. Let's go to the second part. The second part is the voice of God and the commands of God. So the first thing that Moses did was he made them know how they got to where they were. Clearly. He didn't leave anything out. The second thing that Moses does in, in, in this book, you can even almost say he called a conference and set them down. He begins to remind them of the presence of the Lord, of how the Lord came down to speak to the people himself. I hadn't noticed this. Most of us think the Ten Commandments were given to the people of Israel by Moses. No, God came down himself and spoke the Ten Commandments. Then Moses went up because the people didn't want to, to actually write them up. God came down himself in thunder and fire. So Moses, remember, these children were not part of that experience. Moses began to recap for themselves what happened in Sinai. He take them on a journey, the kids, and tell them, the Lord spoke by his voice among you. So he begins to place the presence of God around what? Around his speaking. God speaking his command himself. That means he doesn't disconnect God's presence because you could say God came down and actually mentioned the thunder, the lightning, and all that. And don't mention this, that God spoke. 
So Moses connects to the kids the presence of God and the speaking of God and his commands. So when, whenever you speak to these people about God's presence, they never disconnected this, the drama, and the command. So when we say we're in the presence of God, like we said before, we're in the presence of receiving divine order. God is there to adjust, change, and shape our lives. So in the place of remembrance, this is the embrace for us. Amen? Amen? Well, he also reflects on them on what the parents did. He doesn't hide it. The response of the people to the Lord was disappointing. They said, Moses, you go talk to God. That's what they did. And then Moses continues to detail the way to leave. I mean, like I said, he repeats everything that has actually been given before. He talks to them about the devotion to God and God alone. He goes through the thing again. Actually, he reads the thing again to them. So it's important to understand that in a state of remembrance, God is actually reminding us of these things. Devotion to God alone. Obeying God. Issues of justice and generosity. He goes on to talk about the way they make wealth. It reminds them that it is God who actually gives you power to, to, to actually make wealth. He goes on to say blessings and curse, and he goes on to actually say your wealth is God who gives you power to do that. Amen. And then he recommits, he renews covenant with them. Amen. So when people are in a state of remembrance, or if we are saying right now, we're in a state of remembrance as a community, these are things we should be considering. Our encounter with God. How has been our encounter with God? What has God been speaking to me? What has God been saying to me? Have I actually really noted those things? Are those things important to me? How are those things adjusting my life? So we are saying the command of God must be the ultimate, call it ultimate expression of an encounter. Amen? Amen? The encounter with God, the command of God must be the ultimate expression of an encounter. So he recommits. Another thing I want to highlight about this book, besides the recommitment to, to, to renew covenant, Moses began to shape their culture. I'll actually make you remember. Do you know that in South Africa there's a Mandela Day? Everybody in South Africa on Mandela Day, they are doing something. Am I lying? I was doing something that day. We were doing something that day. I, I, this was the first time in my life I had to do it. But on Mandela Day, I don't know. Church people maybe don't do anything. But on Mandela Day, people do things in South Africa. <laughs> so remembrance has a way of shaping the way of life and culture for people. So budgets are allocated. Corporates in South Africa allocate money towards Mandela Day. So when we do remembrance, there is a particular significant change. It's like you plan. You know when people are planning for somebody's birthday? They change this, they change this. Maybe surprise. They go around the corner, plan things. So remembrance has to shape culture. There must be something changing in my home or in my life that says I'm actually doing this thing. Amen. You will see what Moses did, but he did this, and you must think of remembrance and say, what is it that I'm changing? And this book shows you, because Moses actually made them sit, pause, think, consider what they need to do. Actually even gave them a command of what to do later. Now, the warnings. Just writing through quickly. Moses using, uses the command of God to put a choice before them. One of the biggest things that Moses says in this book is that you must choose. He tells them to choose. 
That means he wasn't just repeating stuff. He kept on saying, you must choose life or death. You must choose blessing or curse. You must choose whether to die here or go forward. So remembrance has to do with a lot of choices. The choices I've made, the choices we've made, the things I've done, what have I done in my life? So Moses uses the sight of God's man to put a choice to them. He outlines that disobedience will produce slavery and oppression as the Lord responds to such lifestyle. He didn't say other people will. He says the Lord will take you to slavery. He actually warns them about these things. He shows them the choices. So when you read this book, understand Moses is taking through them these things. Moses expresses that the Lord will redeem his people from such slavery and restore them. He doesn't become all gloom and doom. He's very hopeful that God will actually respond if they turn. So he does this as well. Moses also does what we call instruction to do the law. There's something that he does. The Torah, I discovered now when I'm studying this, that the writing of the law happened around this time to organize things. So another thing that they did, they organized the law so that they can be actually read properly. Remember before, Moses is not going to be around. So he's making sure that when I'm not around, people still have access to everything. So he gives instruction of the, how to administrate the law. What should happen across the Jordan? Getting to this, Moses, Joshua is appointed as a leader. The issue of new leadership renewal. This is something critical. Remember, they were reflecting on what went wrong, right? So this part of the, don't think of it as appointing someone new. Think of renewal of what, of, of the ability to go ahead. Meaning, in my life, in my world, I'm going to have to actually think of how I've actually been doing things. What have I been doing? How have I, the decisions I've made, do I need to get to a place of renewing my sense of governorship, of leadership? Change the way I think. And he exhorts Joshua to be very courageous, almost repeating the first thing, the thing that God said to Joshua in chapter 1. So he does this. Then Moses writes a song to them. He was there. That was a serious conference. He writes a song to them. Actually, the song talks about the very thing he was talking to them about. Maybe we should go to the song so you can see it. Deuteronomy chapter 32. Who reads well can read fast? Because it's a long song. Okay, maybe you can read five verses. But the song talks about what will happen if they obey, what will happen if they disobey. <laughs> it's almost like Moses to seal this thing in their life. So whenever they recited this song, they were remembering the commands of what God said. And he does this deliberately. That means he creates a culture as well. He adds to their world a component that they can actually recite and think about that talks about remembrance. Okay, Deuteronomy 32 from verse 1. It says, Listen, you heavens, and I will speak. Hear, you earth, the words of my mouth. Let my teaching fall like rain, and my words descend like dew, like showers on the new grass, like abundant rain on tender plants, I will proclaim the Lord, the name of the Lord. Oh, praise the greatness of our God. He is the rock. His works are perfect, and all his ways are just. A faithful God who does no wrong, upright and just is he. They are corrupt and not his children. To their shame they are warped and crooked generation. Is this the way you repay the Lord, you foolish and unwise people? Is he not your father, your creator, who made you and formed you? 
They are corrupt, not his children. Their shame are warped and a crooked generation. Is this the way you repay the Lord, you foolish, unwise people? Verse 7. Remember the, old, the days of old. Consider the generations long past. Ask your father and he will tell you. Your elders and they will explain to you. When the Most High gave the nations their inheritance, when he divided all mankind, he set out boundaries for the peoples according to the number of the sons of Israel. For the, Lord, for the Lord's portion is his people, Jacob his allotted inheritance. In a desert land he found him, in a barren and howling waste. He shielded him and cared for him. He guarded him as the apple of his eye. Like an eagle that stirs up its nest and hovers over its young, that spreads its wing to catch them and carries them aloft, the Lord alone led him. No foreign god was with him. He made him ride on the heights of the land and fed him with the fruit of the fields. He nourished him with honey from the rock and with oil from the flinty crag, with curds and milk from the herd and flock, and with, flatten, and with fattened lambs and goats, with choice rams and, uh, of Bashan and the finest kernels of wheat. You drank the foaming blood of the grape, Jeshurun grew fat and kicked, filled with food. They came, they became heavy and sleek. They abandoned the God who made them and rejected the rock of the Savior. They made him jealous with their foreign gods and angered him with their detestable idols. They sacrificed to false gods, which are not God. Gods they have not known. Gods they had recently appeared. Gods your ancestors did not fear. You deserted the rock who fathered you. You forgot the God who gave you birth. The Lord saw this and rejected them because he was angered by his sons and daughters. I will hide my face from them, he said, and see what their, their end will be. For they are perverse generation, children who are unfaithful. The song captures exactly what I was actually talking to you about. It captures the whole journey. So, so you can say Moses began to do creative work. That means remembrance inspires us to do certain things. If I'm going through remembrance, I'm going to have to begin to do certain things to make sure that I capture things. That memory is not lost. Amen. That memory is not lost. Things are remembered as they were. Remember, he's not actually blushing and maybe removing from the song. But in here... Moses writes a song to Israel for them to actually sing it. And it talks about the very thing he was actually talking about their parents. So that's why I said, people of remembrance are very courageous and bold. They are not afraid of seeing both the good of their life and the worst of their life and the great of their life and not so great of their life. But they're able to know that I'm doing this because I'm ready to journey. Amen. I'm ready. I'm not just doing it because it's fun. I'm not doing it to poke, you know, at someone. I'm doing this because I'm ready to journey. I'm ready to align and reconcile. I'm ready to actually make the laws of the Lord my life. Amen. So, and then Moses goes on, man. It's almost like in our day, we take out all our prophetic words and we call each one one by one and remind them of them. He goes through the trouble of, of actually going each and every tribe. You can read it. It's in Deuteronomy 33. He goes each and every one. 
begins to declare who they are, their identity and their prophetic future. Meaning part of remembrance is us kind of dusting our prophetic words and begin to recite them to ourselves. Maybe just remind yourself of what you heard that night and what the Lord said. Maybe listen to it over and over again. So part of remembrance doesn't just the part of remembering certain things. It has to do with you remembering your prophetic identity. What the Lord has said about us. And remember, it's easy to actually think this was done under good conditions. This was after failure. Do you guys remember that? It was after disaster of their parents. So Moses goes on. And remember, they were not part of that group that had these prophetic words for the first time. So Moses goes through this and he blesses them. For me, I thought this was an amazing way to use remembrance for Moses. You can even call some, you could say it's, a, it's an apostolic technology of getting people ready to move. If you want people to move, you must take them through a journey of remembrance. To get ready to move, you need remembrance. If the church is going to advance, it's going to have to look back and say, what really happened to us during COVID? We can't move until we've reconciled with that. What happened to us? What changed? What died? What new thing came up? What did we lose? Why did we lose it? How can we begin to journey anew? And then all after that, do this. Because it's not about just remembering, it's about advance. Amen. So this exercise we are doing, or the journey of remembrance that we are taking as a community, has a lot to do with more than just the exercise itself. Amen. So, so use this book. I don't know, I, I read a number of things around it. This book will tell you at least what to do with your family. You know, you can sit around the table, read each other prophetic words, remind each other what the Lord has spoken to us. Pray around it. Remind what God commanded your family to be. The state of remembrance. You know, God did a whole lot of stuff. And you could, in my imagination, when I read this, it was almost as if Moses paused the community, called a conference, maybe it was three days, it was a long thing they did, to take them through a new world, that you can't enter a world without me if you can't do these things. Amen. A new journey. A boldness to look at our lives. I like this phrase. That the people in the journey of remembrance can do this. You can look at your journey of salvation. You can look at the journey of your family. Anything. A journey of your family and look at it. And begin to harness what God has done. Amen. And begin to harness. We can look at our journey as a community. And begin to be aware of what God has done among us. Because it's a journey of remembrance. Amen. And begin to declare that we are a generation ready. Because that's another thing about remembrance. It's a generation ready to partner with God. Amen. It's not an exercise we just do. It's a declaration to say, we are ready to partner with God for advance. We are ready to partner with God for advance. You know? We are that generation that knows consequence and we will not do those things again. So a state of remembrance. I just thought, for me, this is the thing that jumped in my heart when I think of this. The book of Deuteronomy, the second law, a repeated law. Moses takes the trouble. I mean, I, Moses loved Israel. 
He loved his people. He ensured that by the time he's gone, they have every resource that was available to advance the purpose of God. To advance in the purpose of God. Amen. Even God in Joshua chapter 1, you hear him referring to this. Go meditate on that book. Remember the book that was done here in Deuteronomy. God is talking about that. Meditate on that book there in day and night. He's talking about that book that becomes the conclusion of the book of Deuteronomy. So a state of remembrance has a lot to do with our past and our future. Our future hangs on how well we do this. Out of this, we're supposed to come out with trust in God, with boldness, with courage, with a sense of the fear of the Lord, with a sense of changing things, with a sense of knowing what I did wrong and I don't want to do it again. I want to do it this way. So the homework is to go read this book. Enjoy it. You can even read it chapter by chapter. If you start it, probably you will end up finishing. Erilwane, to remember. To just remember. Moses took the trouble of remembering everything about the journey. He was courageous and bold to talk about their past. Talk about their failures. Talk about God's success. Talk about why God rejected them. Even went to an extent of writing a song. Created a culture so that they may never forget they may never forget. We, don't, we, we cannot forget. But rather we, we devise ways and means. We devise things to do so that we can keep these things in front of our minds. And Moses wrote the book of Deuteronomy. It's not even a book that is written. It's just like a recollection and him reminding them. Almost like a conference kind of situation. 